Yes, today's Bible reading will be coming from Psalm um, chapter 90, verses 1 to 12. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath, we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are seventy, or even by reason of strength, eighty. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Rob, and I am one of the pastors here at Wyoming Church of Christ. And as Sky just mentioned, we are doing a series called The Undomesticated God. And lo and behold... Today we are on God is eternal. The sign is fixed. It's actually interesting when I think about pastoring at this church. It was two years ago today that I visited this church for the very first time. The pastor search committee um, had just moved me forward as the primary candidate. And I was an unbeknownst to anyone in the church, except for the pastor search committee, sitting in the back of the church when uh, Rob Wright announced that they, uh, the pastor search committee had finalized a, a primary candidate and um, the, the church clapped, and, uh, which was encouraging. I don't know if you're still clapping now, but um, if Colin is watching this, you're probably clapping in your living room, no doubt. But, um, you know, it's, I, it's been a privilege to serve here the last two years, and I've, I've, it's been a real privilege for me to serve in different parts of the world. Uh, as a lot of you know, I had the opportunity for 10 years to actually serve as a youth pastor in Hawaii. Uh, and when, when I was there um, as a youth pastor, we used to take a bunch of teens from Hawaii all the way over to what's called the mainland, to California, to a big youth camp. It was definitely the sort of the crescendo big event that we would have of the year. And a lot of fundraising had to go into that. And We'd fly a bunch of kids who had never even left the island, many of them, and we'd go to this camp in California. Um, I remember one time after all the fundraising was just was was done, and we were just a few weeks away from going to this camp in California. I got a, approached by a team. It was his first time coming to youth group, and real rough kid, Ikaika, Hawaiian kid, comes up to me and he goes, "Man, I want I want to go to this camp." I want to go. And I was like, oh, buddy, we're like, we've raised everything. Pretty much everything's all sorted. Thinking in my head, how can I, you know, maybe I can just get people to throw money in a bucket and try to get this kid to this camp. I mean, I want this kid to hear the gospel. This is a kid that, um, you know, his dad was in jail. Uh, his mom 
uh, was living with her partner who uh, was addicted to ice and uh, just a very rough home that this kid is living in and uh, just very, very lost young man. And next week he comes up to me, well, as he's, as he's uh, leaving, I said, well, you know, here's how much it is and Come back next week and we'll see what we can do. Anyway, the next week comes and he hands me a literally a wad of cash. And he goes, there it all is. That's all of it, right? And I kind of counted out and I'm like, I don't want to know where you got this money. And he said, oh, my, my dad, he's in jail. And a lot of people, he's a strong arm um, for the drug dealers. And a lot of people owe him money. So he went around and collected all the money in jail that people that owed him money from him protecting them. And so here it is. And I was like, all good, buddy. All good. You are going to this camp and you are going to hear the good news about Jesus Christ. And sure enough, Ikaika joined us and heard the gospel and responded. And one of the things they would do at the camp, though, which was really neat, is uh, students would memorize or they had an opportunity to memorize bits and pieces of scripture. And Ikaika, whatever the camp was doing, he was switched on. And uh, one of the verses that I think it was like the second day that uh, some of the students were memorizing was Jeremiah 9. And I can still hear Ikaika. He was going around to every, he memorized it just immediately. And I can still, he would just share it with everyone. Hey, you want to hear Jeremiah 9? You want to hear Jeremiah 9? And I can still hear his voice in my head. And, and this is from Jeremiah 9, the passage 23 through 24. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. I can't hear that passage without hearing Ikaika voice rattling it off. But you know, as I've come back to that text again and again, you know what strikes me is the importance to know the character and essence of God. Let him who boasts, boasts in this, that he understands and knows me. That's really the heartbeat of this series, friends, the undomesticated God, that we would know the character of God, that we would reflect upon his essence, as it were. So far, we thought of God as independent, as unchanging. Today, we'll discover how God is limitless or infinite with respect to time. Basically, God has no beginning in time, no end in time, and no sequence of moments through time. He is ageless. God is eternal. <clears throat> he is eternal. That's the attribute that we'll be reflecting on today.
So here's where that, and by the way, this, this is a massive, this could be an entire sermon series on God's eternality alone. Um, but we'll just do one Sunday to start it off. So here's where we're going. The first thing I want us to do is to think about the eternity of God from a psalm. And we'll look at Psalm 90. Second, the eternity of God in the Son, that is, the person of the Son of God. And last, the eternity of God for Christian living. So, first, the eternity of God from a psalm. Second, the eternity of God in the Son. And third, the eternity of God for Christian living. How reflecting on this truth transforms, shapes, changes us, gives us fresh perspective on how to glorify him, know him, enjoy him forever. So that's where we're headed. Let's pray as we... Uh, as we're about to jump into this text together. Lord, as Dan was just praying, those truths about you, that you are self-sufficient, independent, you are unchanging, you are eternal. You are a God that we can trust. And Lord, we do pray that even though you are outside of time, we ask, we ask Lord, that you would now act in this time and in this moment as we are live streaming and sitting in different places uh, across here the coast, uh, maybe even some tuning in from different parts of the world. We pray that your Holy Spirit would convict, would encourage, and would cause us to delight in you, in your character. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the founder of a magazine that probably many of you have heard is uh, Christianity Today. Uh, the founder of this magazine was a man named Carl Henry. Uh, he was a solid Bible-believing evangelical who defended uh, the trustworthiness, the truthfulness of the Bible. And on one occasion, he was at an event with a bloke named Karl Barth, who was a notorious figure that denied the trustworthiness of the Bible, uh, who promoted liberalism uh, in his day. And anyway, as both of these men were on a platform together, Carl Henry was introduced as the editor of this new magazine called Christianity Today. Carl Bart heard that and quickly chimed in. <clears throat> you mean Christianity yesterday? To which the whole room burst into laughter. But Carl Henry, without missing a beat, said, Yesterday, today, and forever. That's a good comeback. He knew that despite cultural trends in his own day, or look, friends, even in ours, that God of the Bible is not growing old. He, he is not tired. He has never had a beginning. He will never have an end. He is eternal. He is eternal. That's why Job's friend could rightly say, Behold, 
God is great, and we know him not. The number of his years is unsearchable. You hear that? The number of his years, we can't, we can't say, oh, well, you know, it's this much. Unsearchable. So what I'd like us to do now is to think on this truth as we open our Bibles to Psalm 90. Look, this psalm is written by Moses, who, look what he says right off the start. He says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. It's fascinating what Moses does here. He causes us to look back, way back, before the world was made. But as we peer back that far, we soon discover that God existed prior to creation itself. Before there was time, God was. You see, God has no beginning and no end. He always is. That is mind-blowing. How does someone exist who never came into existence? My son asked me recently, he said, Dad, who made God? And when is his birthday? And you know what I said? Go ask your mother those crazy questions. No, I, I didn't. I didn't say that. I, I, I sat down with him and I said, well, buddy, that's a fair question. And the best answer I, I could give him is that we are humans. And because of that, we need to have a beginning. But God is very different than us. He is perfect. No one gives life to him. Otherwise, he wouldn't be God. So, son, God has always existed. And he still kind of looked puzzled as, as his dad was still kind of going, that's all I got for you, buddy. But it's hard. You, I mean, you try explaining God's everlasting existence to a five-year-old, right? Even to my own self as I studied it this week. It's mind-blowing. But what I was trying to communicate is that God isn't bound by time. He transcends it. He is sovereign over it. He is external to it. He is not subject to it. Which is exactly the point Moses is making. Look here again in verse 3. Notice the contrast of God's everlasting existence with human frailty. Verse 3, you return man to dust and say, return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. You see the images Moses uses to describe our lives? 
a dream like grass. You, you get the point? Our lifespan is but a moment. 70 years, 80 plus-ish. But in the end, it's like a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Just a quick a spray. There it goes. Gone. That's why the prophet Isaiah says, Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. You see, our life is but a mist, but God is everlasting. A little later, look what God claims about himself from the book of Isaiah. He says, For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. Do you hear, did you hear that? Who inhabits eternity. In his own being, God is timeless. Now, you can hear that and go, yeah, okay, but we can't relate to it. We can't transcend time. We are in it, bound to it, and formed by it, right? But with God, time is perceived differently because he is outside of time. Maybe this diagram will help you. If you look up here on the screen, because God created time and is Lord over it, he can see all events in time equally. He stands above time and is able to see it all in one sweep. In other words, all of time, since the creation and into the future, is viewed by God the same. Remember we just read in Psalm 90? For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past. If this is true, then God's perception of time is different to ours. He doesn't experience the extent and flow of time as we do. He is Lord over time. He's above its limitations. From everlasting to everlasting, he is God. That's why Isaiah 46 declares this, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Listen, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done. Friend, I don't know about you, but I find that extremely comforting. Knowing that we have a perfect, loving, unchanging God who is sovereign and who rules over history, even time itself, for his glory and our good as his children. What are you struggling with right now? You see, when you, if you just put that in perspective and you think about eternity itself, how that just pales in comparison. God is eternal. And the scriptures take this truth like a spotlight and shine it upon none other than the person of Jesus Christ. Which leads us to our second point. 
the eternity of God in the Son, that is, in the person of his Son. When you read the Old Testament, like we're doing for our uh, Bible reading plan, when you read the book of Isaiah, for instance, or you read the book of Micah, or any of the prophets, right on the surface, something you can easily grab is this anticipation of the eternal one. This is what Isaiah was on about when he described the messianic child. Look at what chapter 9 says. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Everlasting Father, literally the Father of Eternity, which refers to Christ. Christ everlasting, as the, he's a father-like compassion toward his children. And how do we see that compassion displayed? At the cross. God the Father sins God the Son. Uh, the prophet Micah was also just as excited about this when he foretold Christ's coming and pinpointed his future birthplace in Bethlehem. Micah 5.2 says, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, are who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel. We're familiar with both of these texts, aren't we? They probably, it smells like Christmas, doesn't it, with these two texts? But look carefully how Micah highlights the eternality of the Son in the last part of Micah 5 too. See that? Whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. The eternity of God shines in the person of his Son, who is the mediator of salvation. That's why John starts his gospel. How? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Christ is everlasting. As Augustine wrote, Ever father without beginning, ever son without beginning. What's beautiful, friend, is that the eternal word entered into time as a man in order to bring the fullness of God's grace to sinners. The son is eternal. Now, what do we do with all of this stuff? It all sounds sort of good, I guess, but what, what do we do with it? I want to close by thinking on three practical applications of God's eternity. That is, when we reflect on God's eternity, the effect it can have upon our lives. Number one, reflecting on God's eternity causes us to look beyond this brief life into the age to come. So when we reflect on these rich truths of who God is, that he is eternal, that he is ageless, that he is timeless. It causes us to look beyond this brief life into the age to come. I don't know about you, but I can become so wrapped up in this life that I forget about the life to come. But the reality is, my life, your life, is a vapor which soon disappears. And if we can reflect on God's eternity I reckon it will rightly draw our attention away from this momentary life to everlasting life. John Calvin said this, 
He says, to what is it owing that we have so great anxiety about our life? But because we foolishly imagine that we shall nestle in this world forever. It's a good word picture. Calvin's so great at word pictures. You just picture someone nestling in. My kids, it's getting colder now, and they're nestling in their blankets because they want to get comfortable. That's how we act in the world when we're not focused enough on eternity. We're nestling in this world as it's the place where we're supposed to get ultimate hope and comfort. It's not. It's passing away. And so God's eternity causes us to look beyond good or bad circumstances to what our greatest treasure is. Our life is brief and transient, but to God, a thousand years are like one day. So where should our focus be? It's got to be on the things of God, our tr on treasures that will never pass away. That's why First John says this, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So reflecting on God's eternity does that, friend. Second, reflecting on God's eternity should cause us to evangelize. Reflecting on God's eternity should cause us to evangelize. You know, on Mother's Day, when we gather with family members, perhaps today it'll, that'll be virtual, but when, we, when you see your family members or in-laws who aren't believers, it's tempting to push it out of your mind that there's, there's an eternity because maybe you're enjoying a nice lunch together or a nice dinner together, and, and perhaps you really you get along well with your in-laws. Maybe you don't, but either way, you, you almost sort of, you forget that eternity is the most real place that lasts, and, and you sort of begin to almost push it out of your mind that the person sitting right across the table from you, or today virtually across from you, is just one step away from hell. The non-Christian may forget or excuse sins in their life or brush them off as something that happened in the past, but everything we have ever done is always set before the face of a holy God. Psalm 90 verse 8 says, You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. Friend, when you reflect on eternity that God lives forever. And as long as he lives, he will punish the wicked for eternity. It really chews away at you like a rock in your shoe that won't go away. I hope that you can have a nice lunch or a virtual gathering, whatever that might be with your family today, if they're not Christians, and that we can love them and be examples to them. But, but ultimately, Eternity is supposed to remind us that this is not our home. And that person that you're sitting across the table from or doing Zoom with or FaceTime with, they are just one step away from meeting the wrath of God. That is a terrifying thought, is it not? 
Hell is a real place where there is everlasting torment. Friend, your family member needs to hear the good news that they can flee from the wrath to come by embracing Jesus Christ, his work on the cross. Evangelism, if you think about it, is the one thing we're not going to do in heaven. Right? You might do a lot of things in heaven, but you're not going to evangelize. You won't need to. Because we'll be in eternity with God's children. Evangelism is the thing we do now. And eternity reminds us. You know, Jonathan Edwards wrote 70 resolutions before he was hit the age of 19. And he wanted these resolutions, these little pithy statements, to guide his life. And in one of his resolutions, he said this. He said, I resolve... This is a, imagine if you started your day this way. He said, I resolve to wake up, to start each day as if I heard the joys of heaven and the torments of hell. That'll wake you up in the morning. That'll give you a perception of the day. You could hear the joys and praising of God in heaven and the torments in hell. What's Edwards getting at? He wants to have an eternal perspective. Because reflecting on eternity causes us to look beyond this brief life into the age to come. It should cause us to evangelize. And last, it should cause us to praise God. You know, we live in a world consumed by the temporal. It's amazing when I was at Aaron Affair yesterday, that just the buzz, you know, as some of these um, laws are being lifted just to see people say, oh, we can't wait to have our life back. And I resonate with that. It's not fun to live in quarantine. But all those things ultimately are temporal. You know, Aaron Affair is not going to last into eternity. But we worship a God who is eternal. And since God is eternal, he is eternally worthy to be praised. Nehemiah 9 says this, Stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. You know, regardless of how you might feel today, God is worthy, who he is, of your praise. The whole reason that you're here, what's the first catechism? Right? Why are you, what's the whole, what's the whole reason? Why are we here? Why do we exist? What is the chief end of man? to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's why you're here. And that doesn't just end in this life, but carries on forever, worshiping and glorifying and enjoying God forever. I'm excited for next week as we think more on the character of God. I hope this series has been encouraging. I know my heart has just been so encouraged in singing the praises of God as I've reflected on his character. And you know, I'll confess something to you. We've just struck the very tip of the iceberg with all this. We could just keep going forever, pun intended, with this sermon series. 
But I hope in the meantime now, as we're in extraordinary times, as we're in uncertain times, to look at a certain God, an undomesticated God, who is self-sufficient, who is unchanging, and who is eternal. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you again as we reflect upon your nature and your character. We pray that, that tr these truths would shape and change us, that we would have an internal perspective. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sky's going to come up here and close us uh, in a time of benediction.